0: Our Father, our Father, our Father,
1: our Father, our Father,
0: our
1: Father who art
0: in heaven. in Good morning, LEFC. We continue our series bona fide, confronting superficial faith this morning. I'm Nicholas Todd. I'm part of Pastor Tony's teaching team here, and uh, I have a troubling passage this morning that uh, I'll be preaching on. So uh, join me in prayer, please. Holy Spirit, as we consider the words of Jesus and continue our time in study and reflection. I pray that we can hear the words. I pray that we can understand the implications of these words. And would our own sinfulness be drawn out. Would we see where we have sinned? Would we see our own idolatry? Would we see our independence and understand how it is in conflict with what you have called us to be? Avail us that we might be able to confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart and that we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. work on our lives, my life, the lives of LEFC, uh, the lives of the churches and litets around the globe, that we might be able to more fully walk in the way of Jesus. Amen. LEFC, well, our ushers have Bibles for you to use that if you uh, don't have one this morning, Uh, You can also use the Bible app, and we're going to be in Matthew 7. We're going to be in Matthew 7 this morning. That's the first book of the New Testament. New Testament is about the last third of the Bible. Find Matthew 7. Find it in this moment. Save your place. When my family moved to the area in 2014, someone said that we were moving to Mayberry. Mayberry. And it's true. It's true. Where I live, it's a bit Mayberry. It's a bit Stars Hollow. It's a bit Westview. I mean, people, people are sitting on their French porch. People are, are calling people by names. I feel like I'm in the middle of a country song often. And, and I love it. I love every. Bit of it. I love how, I, how much I can walk around town, that I get to walk to other churches. I get to walk my kids to school. I get to walk to restaurants, to parks, and I get to walk to friends' homes. We visited some friends at their home not too long ago when they showed us this box. Just rattles just a little bit. They showed us this box. And it's a wood box that I was challenged to open, and not one to reject a challenge. I thought, how hard could a box be to open? And, and almost immediately, I learned that this was no normal box. This was a puzzle box. I very appropriately committed to it, and I learned that uh, there are some set steps you need to take. This was a kind of box that in order to open it, there was a step one. Certain actions needed to be completed in a specific order before you could move on to the next one. When completed in the right order, you could open the box and find the treasure that was inside, which I was told there is a treasure inside. And as, yeah, any responsible individual in this world might do, I solved the puzzle. And then I spent too much time on Amazon looking for one for my own home. So we're in Matthew 7. We're in verse 7. And I'd love for you to follow along as I read. Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. That last verse, verse 12. In so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. What what is this? What's what's this called? All right, it's called the, the golden rule. That's correct. I really chuckled at myself. I, I feel like every time I read scripture, I, I I pray for something new, and when the Lord answers that, it's it's almost shocking that I missed it. And in this one, verse 12, we have the golden rule. In my most recent reading, I I just couldn't get over it. This phrase, for this sums up the law and prophets. Verse 12 is like the cliff notes. It's the online spark notes for the whole Old Testament. If I was a Bible teacher, this would be a trick question. I would say, could you summarize the law and prophets? And the easiest thing to do would be to write this one verse from the Old Testament, and I'd missed it all my life. I mean, I knew the golden rule. Most people know the golden rule. It's a big statement. And we're going to stow that one away. This sermon is not about the golden rule, but we should remember it for life and for any tricksy Old Testament teachers or New Testament. I want to look specifically at verse 7 and 8 today. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Right now right now. That text, keywords, ask, seek, knock. What comes to mind when you hear that? What imagery? Any phrases? Where does your mind go? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, I must make amends. I worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. So, oh, Lord... Won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? There's a reason I speak and not lead the music. But that's just the first verse, verse 2. It, gets a little, it, gets a, it breaks it down. It gets a little bit more at home. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. So, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a colored TV? The third verse asks, seeks, knocks on the door of the Lord and wants a night on the town. I'm counting on you, Lord. Don't let me down. Prove that you love me. And by the next round, that was sung and recorded. Right? Ask, seek, knock of God. True or false? God is generous. True. Great. Ask, seek, knock of God. God is generous. So God gives generously. But it can lead to, I asked, and I asked, and I asked, and God didn't save my marriage. And I knocked, and we can't have kids. And I sought, I looked, and I looked, and I ended up alone and bitter. We treat prayer... Like this box, that if I say the right thing, if I make the right move, at some point if I twist this key and through a combination of multiple hands or two hands doing multiple things, I'm able to break it down and find the little secret that's on the inside. It's just a just an orange, tiny orange apron. But we think that if we do those things, if we do it in the right order, if we move that piece, if we turn the knob and if we pull out the drawer, that God owes it to us because we followed the right path. God owes it to us because we have asked, we have seeked, and we have knocked. And this reeks of Christian animism where we have flipped this power and authority where we now minimize God to just a a powerful spirit. We placate to get what we want. It's a formula, a God formula. Steps needed to be taken to manipulate God, which feeds our own ego, our own self-centeredness, our own narcissistic plan. Because now we have God in this divine headlock. And this is disturbingly all too common approach to our relationship with God. It doesn't work that way. And that is not what scripture is saying in this text. Back in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, asks. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There is a connection with asking, seeking, and knocking. It is not control and manipulation, this connection. These three are items of a deeper reliance and a deeper connection with something other than ourselves. It is poorly used for justification, to ask for health and wealth, which To some degree, I appreciate those outrageous statements because as I think of myself and what I ask for, it reveals in my heart something that maybe I wasn't aware of. It reveals my own level of idolatry. But on the more innocent side, it can reveal genuine levels of need, and it can increase connection with a person, maybe a system, or maybe even a creator of the universe, What do we need and what do we not need is something we must consider. So let's consider reliance and connection as a key component of asking, seeking, and knocking. Let's just take it away for a moment from the spiritual. Aunts, uncles, moms, dads, grandparents, anybody that has a relationship with, with a smaller one and just to be clear my 12 year old when he is 18 19 or 20 he will still be my little person running around so older teens you are still that little person running around i suppose this could even carry over to me as my as i think of my own parents uh what's my question here it is what do the little people in your life ask you for like like literally what do they ask you for please tell me did i hear lemonade i hope that was the answer i love lemonade did did i hear screen time yeah lemonade screen time what else graham crackers oh toys what else help help just I missed that. I'm sorry. But uh, they ask for help. And there's just these, all these things that kids ask for. Um, and it's, yeah, I, even, I even ask my parents to this day for things. The, the ones that came out for my family was um, I have my youngest son is 10, uh, and he asks for mints, M-I-N-T-S, mints. We always have mints in the car. And um, for whatever reason, it has built up to a place that I know when we get in the car, he's going to ask for mints. Not just one, not just two, but he might ask for three. The problem is I take two, my wife takes one. And so all of a sudden we have this situation where I thought, in my head, three is just way too many. I develop an attitude about it. But but he asks for mints and they ask for screen time. I asked my parents for a recipe some time ago. Would you rather they not ask you for these things? Would I rather that my 10-year-old son sneak into the car and steal my mints? Doesn't relating rightly with each other involve a level of relating and relying As this asking, seeking, and knocking for mints or screen time or an old recipe, it doesn't address some of the most simple forms of relating. And as the person who's kind of at the top right now in my family, my kids ask me for things, there is no requirement here that they will get what they asked for. Can I have some more screen time is the asking? No, you can't. Is what is being given for them to receive. So, what about the other things in life that aren't screen time, mints, and recipes? What about, I'll call them the bigger ticket items in your life, as we consider the power of prayer to God, the creator of the universe? This is where we come to the purpose. Of prayer I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more but I want you to think first I'm a gut person so when I ask this question I want you to go with your gut what are, what are the ideas that come to your mind with this question what is the purpose of prayer My answer, the purpose of prayer is to explore the mystery of connecting with the eternal God, that an intimacy can exist between the two of us as I work to express the depth of my need to God, and for God. And in this process of a lifelong journey of prayer, I get to experience the power of being used by God. This is why I like praying with others that have had a a committed prayer life. They have an experience and a connection with God, a relationship with God that I do not have. When I consider the power of prayer, I more link it to that intimate connection and deep reliance on an almighty God that is unstoppable and all-powerful. And with this perspective, we can see that prayer forms us. Prayer shapes us. It properly forms and shapes us. I love in Daniel 3, we had a series Uh, thriving in Babylon um, some time ago. And uh, we looked at Daniel 3. And in Daniel 3, this furious, enraged king is ready to throw three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into this fiery furnace, a furnace that was ordered to be heated seven times hotter than normal. And when I hear that, I go, okay, so this was an improper heating of such a furnace. And it was so improper that the king's own soldiers... Died as they went by it. They fell into it, burned up. That's improper. And a threat was given to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they would be put in such a furnace if they didn't stop the worship of the true God and started worshiping the idols. After this threat happened, did they pray? No, they didn't pray. And I love that. They testified. They testified because they were already people of prayer. Their words right here. King, we do not need to defend ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve will deliver us from it. Those are big words, aren't they? It's like they're, they're claiming some mighty works that have not been done. They're naming it and claiming it. But then we see the richness in their lives. Are you ready for this? But if God does not deliver us, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods. And I believe such a response can only come from lives of people that have been dedicated to prayer a life of connection with God and reliance on God that isn't just a list of give-me's. Alex Swan, would you join me on stage? This is Alex Swan, a swan, son of swan, my little swan song. There are two ends in that if you can't hear it. Alex Swan has now been with LEFC for four or five years. And uh, he started as an intern, and he's now our director of worship. And I have learned so much from Alex in his years here. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. So thank you, Alex. And we were talking about music. I have a little bit, the, the smallest bit of musical training, but Alex is so far ahead of me. And so uh, you often see Alex at the piano or at a guitar or at the keys. Today he was at the keys. And I wanted him to just tell us a little bit of his story. Alex, when did you start playing an instrument?
1: I was 13 years old. My parents bought me a
0: cheap guitar
1: from Costco to finally stop my begging.
0: Lord have mercy, a a (laughs) guitar from Costco. Uh, Hey, it worked, though. Did you stop your begging?
1: I stopped my begging.
0: Yeah, for a short time. Um, Okay, so, so, so why did you start? Why did you want to play an instrument?
1: I wanted to be able to turn on the radio or hear a song and sit down and just play along with it. I just wanted to play an instrument along with all the songs that I was hearing constantly.
0: Okay, you have an instrument, you had this desire. What did you then do to do that?
1: Somebody sat down with me and they said, if that's what you wanna do, I'm gonna teach you this one scale. Learn that scale, figure out the key of the song, you can play along with it all day. What's the, can you just play the scale?
0: okay so so you had uh you had a desire uh you you asked someone how can i do this they they gave you this scale what can you do with scales
1: (laughs) well when i got to college i've been playing this and some other scales for a while for a while i had a piano professor that finally said all right you know the scales it's time to it's time to add to it it's time to use those building blocks so now when you play the scale start to add the other stuff around it.
0: Then you can make music. Okay, so what you just did there, I, I, I can't even get close. I actually dreamed we'd play chopsticks together. Um, <laughs> what you just did right there, you, you made it sound really simple. It started with scales and then you were playing notes that were in between. Can, what you just did, can you play that without knowing your scales? Absolutely not. Hey, can we say thank you to Alex with an applause? <laughs> thank you, Buck. <Bob. laughs> Alex, Alex genuinely is a gift to me. It's an honor to serve with him, to have him lead us in worship. And uh, I, I love how he's able to lead us in worship and how much I get to learn from that. So Alex would be unable to play like that without knowing his scales. And there was people in his life. Teachers, I mean, I, I might just say a, a musical rabbi, if you will, helped him with this journey. And Jesus gives us a similar framework, a framework, an outline, a scaffolding that exists. And yet again, as my own confession, as my own recognition of my life, I I avoided this. I missed it because of how I listened and consumed Scripture. Jesus gives us our scales. Jesus gives us our scales in this Sermon on the Mount. Thinking of Jesus' interaction with the disciples. Thinking that a good bit was already covered in this teaching from Jesus. And even in this sermon series, I want to go back a couple chapters. We are in Matthew chapter 7. Let's just turn the page. Let's go back to chapter 5. We're, going to, we're, just, we're just, bless you. We are going to be again. Just a two sneezer. All right. We are going to look at chapter five. Based on the topics that Jesus has already covered thus far, this is chapter five, I want you to be looking at it, what things might the disciples be moved to request with a sense of urgency, with persistence? What framework was given by Jesus before we ever get to ask, seek, and knock? Chapter five, start in verse three. We're going to work on this together. Jesus starts to be this provocateur almost immediately by talking about who is blessed. Help me make a list. Uh, who is blessed? Just shout it out. Nice. We've got the poor in spirit. Who else is blessed? Though, uh, good. Those who mourn. Who else is blessed? Oh, blessed are the meek. And get this, what do the meek inherit? What? That makes no sense. Thank you, Jesus. The meek inherit the earth. What else? Blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourned, the meek. Who else is blessed? Blessed. Thank you, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now I defined it. Pastor and Tony and I worked. Pastor Tony and I worked on it together. What is righteousness? Right relatedness. All right. There's righteousness. What else? What's after hunger and thirst for righteousness? Ooh, nice. Blessed are the merciful. What else? pure in heart. You see my pattern? We're still going. Blessed out of the pure in heart. What else? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. Thank you. Anything else? Persecuted for righteousness sake. Which I'll just say persecuted because of how they pursue right relatedness with God and their community. All right. Let's let's just stay in chapter five. We're not done yet. That's that's just that's just the beatitudes. Okay, so then we move on. And uh, what's the, the kind of the next section of scripture? That's right. I heard salt and light. What I'm just gonna do is I'm gonna write lead Ace. I'm gonna write salty life. That's how we're supposed to do it. Okay. What's after that? I believe it was Pastor Matt who preached this one. It was about our source. It talks about murder, but really it boils down to anger. You say that you have not murdered anyone, but consider the source of that. He addresses anger. What's after that? I'm going to write pruning. There's a section where it talks about things that get cut off. All right, and let's just keep going. Um, After that, there is, divorce is in there, but I loved how Pastor Randy managed that. He, He connected it to a bigger piece, which was about oaths and our word. Anything else? Love our enemies. Don't you dare say you don't have an enemy. What else? Who should we pray for? pray for those who persecute you. Oh, look at that. Got something here. Got something here. Got something here. Look at look at how that all wraps up. And that's just chapter 5 alone. That's a pretty rocking framework that Jesus has given us. Before he ever gets to ask seek and knock, and I want to consider a Lucan similarity in chapter 11 of Luke of his gospel. The disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. Do you, do you think the disciples already prayed? Do you think the disciples already prayed? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Please, if you ever see something that said, yeah, the disciples, they were totally absent of any level of prayer until Jesus showed up. That's not true. It can't be true at all. They prayed. I wasn't there, but I know they did. We have an entire prayer book in the Old Testament called the Psalms. And these were the prayers of the Jewish people. And the disciples were Jewish. So they prayed the prayers. And Jesus was then provoking them with his teachings. You have heard it said, but I say. And so it is reasonable to ask your rabbi, how are we to pray? Teach us, Rabbi, to pray. Jesus doesn't say, stop praying the Psalms. Think of it this way. You have heard it said, a person must pray the Psalms. They should live a life of Torah, the written and the oral. I say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, those who seek right relationships, those who extend mercy Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their pursuit of right relationships. you got to lead a salty life and you got to watch out for your anger. You think it's just about murder, but there's something deep in your core that will overtake you. And There's going to be times you're going to have to cut something off because it causes you to sin. And keep your word and love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. chapter 6, Matthew, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We just got to learn them. Most people culturally know the Lord's Prayer, or at least pieces of it. It's at weddings. It's at funerals. It's embroidered on pillows. It's recited at different points in someone's life. And there's a piece of the Lord's Prayer we know, but it's not part of the New Testament reading that I did today. It's the doxology at the end. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And my opinion on this is that this cultural, this traditional piece is scriptural. We just don't see it in the New Testament. This piece comes from an Old Testament passage for David, from David, when David is desiring to give glory to God. And desire is a key element in in prayer. Desire is what pushes us, pushes many to ask, seek, and knock. Desire is what pushes us into something deeper. And desire is what the Lord's prayer as a whole piece is working to realign in every single one of us. Knowing where we started today, I say, I say this. Ask for whatever you desire in prayer. Again, ask for whatever you desire in prayer. We have heard it said, you do not have because you do not ask. I say let's read the whole context. It's James 4. James 4 One through three. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong. Motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ask for whatever you want is the second step in prayer. The first step is considering the teachings of Jesus, seeing what He has brought us to pursue, checking our placement and our value of those things and coming to an honest place of sorting if we want what God wants. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to ask for his glory, for his gifts, for his grace, and for his guidance. Ask for those things. Seek these things that Christ has already challenged the world with. Knock on that door and be ready for an answer. There's a there's a cutesy response to praying for some of these things that are near to the heart of, of Christ. Careful what you pray for is said. Don't pray for patience. You might have to be patient. Don't pray for gentleness. You might actually have to be gentle. Don't pray for humility. Your job requires you to be confident on a certain level and and you won't be able to deliver anymore. It might just happen. So be careful. And it's a lie. Don't be careful with those things. Pray for them every single day. That your life might be some reflection of the Christ that came to give us these things. The Psalms, the prayers, the scriptures, these are all transcendent tools, divine tools that are not bound by space or by time or by culture. The book of Acts records the acts of Jesus through the apostles. And in Acts 2, 42, we have this note that mentions what the fellowship of believers looked like. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship together, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. A continual, ongoing commitment to the teaching of the apostles that they got from Jesus, that we have in Scripture. And that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty solid. All right. I can commit to that fellowshipping together coming together in community to worship struggle celebrate i think that's important it sounds pretty amazing i like that breaking bread together share a meal consider communion make a mess in your kitchen spill on your clothes That's a problem for me. I hate spills. But that's part of sharing life together, right? They see a little bit of the mess. This is great. I love that we're able to to worship as we can here. It's hard to have a relationship with this many people in a room. Life groups. Consider those. That's where you can break bread together and it's beautiful. And the final piece for the apostles, they were committed to the prayers. We have the Psalms, a vast collection of emotion and worship brought to God. And then Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. Some might argue Jesus didn't say, you have to say these words. Well, guess what? Sometimes I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say in my prayers. And so I rest in the words of Jesus as I desire that relationship. If my words aren't amazing, does that sound like performance? If my words aren't amazing, or if I'm at a loss, or if I'm angry... If something has caused something to bubble up inside of me, that by the time I get to my family and and we, we hold hands and we pray before dinner and I don't know what to say and my kids aren't into it and my wife isn't ready to pray, what do I do? Oh, I had the Lord's Prayer. And that's enough. I get to rest in the words of Jesus. According to Jesus... Here, asking, seeking, and knocking is the beautiful way that we are invited to relate and connect with God. And when I don't have the words, when there's not an overflow of joy, I still get to use the words of Christ to connect. And at some point, at least we're talking, right? At least we're talking. Our final section of scripture today, I want to look at Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. I'll start in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more, prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Christ, fully man fully divine. And I think of that humanity, it connects with us because how do we respond when we don't get our way? What do we rest on when the things we have prayed, just like Jesus did here in Matthew 26, what happens when they don't come to pass? Jesus said it, may this cup be taken from me. May it be taken from me. Take this away. And instead, he drank it. Every drop. As his arms were outstretched on the hardwood of the cross, we, humanity, you, the person sitting here today, and me standing at this podium, we continued to lift that cup to his lips to make sure he took every drop. Drink. Just a couple days earlier, we were saying, crucify him. And that's why we have a mysterious Saturday and a darkness that exists there. Because it's on Sunday we see a larger story. It's last week we saw the larger story. We see and remember that Jesus came victoriously. And up from the grave, he arose. We didn't know that on Thursday, though. In our receiving of no answers, we rest in the character and the attributes of God. I don't want this. I might get abused. But I trust. And that's not always easy. Pastor Ken, Charity, would you you come out? The truth is, we don't know how God intends to conform us to the image of Jesus. In our prayers, the Holy Spirit may use our prayers. We may use that to reveal idols of our hearts. And not necessarily to give us what we think we need. And in the space between our desire to know God more deeply and the active voice of honest prayers, we have opportunity of opportunity to sit with Jesus, aware of our own requests and trusting, risking that God's intention for us is good. LEFC often has a time of response to close our services. This Sunday, Pastor Ken and Charity offer the Lord's Prayer in song. I challenge you you, You can certainly sing with them. But reflect. I challenge you to reflect on your own prayers, your own desires, your pursuits. And as you do those things, consider our communication card. The staff would love to pray for you. The elders would love to be praying for you. And this is a way, this is a desire to share in that community. If something rises up in you, and you would like to join that community of prayer, consider writing it down. And then consider just sitting in the words of Jesus.
1: temptation but deliver us
0: you filled out the communication card during the response time got a couple options you could leave it in baskets as you leave this space today there's baskets right outside the doors but I'm also here after the service you could deliver it to me and I'd be happy to sit with you if you just want to sit in silence i will be happy to pray with you if it's something on the card and if not me we have an encounter room on my left where people are there to pray with you, to worship with you in that time as you desire a relationship with God. Please give those to us. We'd be honored to pray with you and join you in that. If you want more on the Lord's Prayer specifically through the the magic of databases, um, I preached in September of 2018 about this topic. Our website has past sermons, as well as our Engage guide. It's a guide to ask some questions about this week's message, and then it even prepares you for the next one. So consider going to our website. Find it. Use it. It's a good tool. This last week, someone read me a prayer from more than 1,000 years ago. Not scripture, but from a committed life. And This was the final stanza. Truly my need is great when it impels me to ask for help, even of those by whom I deserve to be punished. But you are so full of such wealth from the unending fount of goodness that you delight rather to free by your goodness those whom by justice you are able to condemn. Would you stand to your feet, if you are able? May we experience such freedom in prayers as we pursue what Christ has intended for us. Go in peace. Desire the Lord. We'll see you next week.